Welcome to the 10th episode of Gen Z Investing Insights. Uh, before we start, we're almost at 100 followers on TikTok, so go follow the TikTok below. Uh, we usually post highlights of these these shows, which you guys are watching right now, but also clips of Elon, Zuckerberg, and Warren Buffett. Um, but if you guys want to see other stuff, comment below, and we will post that. But getting started, last night I was a little confused because Russia uh, had a coup going on. Uh, there's so many different psyops going on, so I don't really know what's happening. Um, but allegedly, uh, the 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 guys that are trying to take over Russia have now turned back and have reached some agreement. Um, but the first thing that came to my mind is how is this going to impact markets, not only in America but internationally. And the first two things that came to mind is the oil futures getting affected and also um, energy stocks getting affected. How do you guys think that this uh, situation is in Russia is going to in impact markets domestically and internationally i mean i think i think internationally i think the whole little incident will just create volatility um, i wouldn't really say that i i don't know what's happening i don't think that fifty thousand troops is really going to march against russia so i think it's just going to create volatility however i think that's something to watch out for would be like companies in the u.s like lockheed martin like like contractors uh, military contractors who were if we're like, okay, they're actually moving against Russia and we would support them, which I highly doubt we would. But if we do, their stock prices would shoot up. So that's something you could watch. But in my opinion, it's all just volatility. Uh, yeah, personally, I don't think it's going to have any effect on the U.S. market just because prior to this, uh, the U.S. did have heavy, heavy restrictions on Russian oil. Uh, and the only consumers of Russian oil, I believe, were or maybe China for sure, I know. And then maybe India, I forget. There was one other country, but some some Asian countries. Um, so in terms of the US market, I, I don't really see foresee uh, Russia's economy really having a, an impact on it. Um, but in terms of international markets, I, I say, it, I think it will be interesting because, I mean, oil in Russia is, is, is their massive industry. It's it's really what makes, you know, Russia's economy, Russia's economy. So it, it'll be interesting how it affects countries like China and countries like India, which are still dependent on Russian oil and, and how the pricing on that oil will will turn out. But it, I don't think personally, I don't think it's going to even affect uh, international markets that much. I, I don't really see too much of an effect from the coup. Yeah, going more into India, like you were talking about, uh, we did have a little meeting with India this week with Joe Biden and the leader of India. Do you guys think... Uh, as we get more into artificial intelligence and AI has a bigger effect on our day-to-day -day lives, do you think AI will change uh, foreign policy at all? I mean, I think anytime that you have something as disruptive as artificial intelligence, uh, you're going to see a huge, huge um, change in foreign policy. Just because, you know, we talked about this in previous podcasts, so, so make sure to watch those. But uh in terms of in terms of AI, it's just this technology in which some of the richer countries that are developing this AI uh, and have the companies that are like Nvidia, Microsoft, you, you know, each, even China with all their AI, you could definitely see how the disparity that is coming from AI and how uh, how how different it affects different countries. So I think it'll be uh, it'll be interesting, uh, but I think there's going to be even more of a divide than we see now through AI. I think just like there's so many different like problems with like it's foreign relations is such a tricky thing. And I think if that process is able to be automated, like if one country had 
some kind of uh, intelligence where uh, it understood the country's positions on a multitude of topics and their opinions on really micro things that if it would be so interesting what to see what would happen if you had two intelligences uh, try and decide on certain topics um, and see see how that like fizzles out on certain problems like if America had an artificial intelligence and so did Russia and we were debating over nuclear warheads how artificial intelligence would come up with a solution to that problem I think that could be a, a solution in like 20 years yeah I agree with you Jacob I think that AI would be like advisors I don't think that they'd make like decisions or anything like that I think a big thing about politics is emotions. Like you get elected by playing into people's emotions and, and really motivating them to go out and vote. But I, I don't think that AI will have that big of an effect because so much of what presidents and, and world leaders do is lead by emotion. So I do think that AI would be like an advisor. However, I don't think it'll have that much impact on world affairs. Uh, I think, so this is where I'm gonna, I'll, I'll kind of question a little bit here. And I think AI, yeah, I, I agree. I think I think I don't think AI is going to be significant in the future at all in, in foreign policy. And the reason is because I think a lot of foreign policy is based on 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 a certain political interest. Uh, and that's why we see like a lot of corruption happening in, in in a lot of um in a lot of developing countries and even in you know some of some of the more developed countries even further. So I think like it's very it's so AI, I think is really good at making a general opinion i think it's i think as jacob you were saying it's really good at coming like to a consensus and and like getting this knowledge quickly but it's a matter of of whether it will benefit one side or the other side and i think we're always like trying to to i guess make a, a foreign policy each country is always trying to benefit themselves so that's where you kind of have you know a little bit of difficulty there if that makes sense yeah i think i think if you if you think about like our history and if if AI was at certain points in history, like if AI was a thing during the Cold War, but like during the Cuban Missile Crisis, like how would would JFK's decision on how to treat the Cuban Missile Crisis change if he had an AI advisor? Would there have been a better solution? Um, if in the eighties, when uh, or maybe it was the eighties, it was the eighties when the Berlin Wall fell, would that have played out differently if there was an AI advisor? I think that's something that will is a good thing to question. Um, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. But going back to what I said earlier, like, I mean, the whole Cuban Missile Crisis was a reaction to us putting missiles in in the, um, in Europe close to the Soviet Union, right? So at the end of the day, the whole point of sending nukes to Cuba was on emotion and on getting back at the United States. It wasn't really logical. It was more like, okay, you did this to us, we're doing this to you. And I don't think an AI would advise putting or creating more tension among countries. That doesn't really seem like a very, I don't know, logical thing to do, but it's it's all emotions. So I don't think I don't think that AI would change much. I think that we're already just so emotional and already so prioritizing ourselves as countries that AI would kind of just be like there, but it wouldn't really impact our thoughts or like how we conduct foreign affairs. Yeah. I mean, that, that's an interesting point because it's like it brings up the other question of how far AI has has grown. And I think foreign affairs like is something that has so many layers. And I don't think AI is, is there yet to like come up with like an effective conclusion to like like, a you know, some type of 
like the the Russian Ukrainian war, for example, or something like that. I think there's so many layers to everything for every country, for every person that it's just so complicated. And it's even like even people that study foreign policy struggle with this like so significantly. So it's it's like interesting, like how an AI would like come with a solution, I guess. I think it's true. I think I think AI can come up with so many solutions and options that it just keeps leaders more informed. I think that was the main point I was going for. Um, Wait, you know, I think it'd be pretty cool. What if there's like a simulation of all the countries, but they were like ran by AIs? Like, or what if there's just one AI that ran the entire world? I wonder, like, there's a simulation for that. That'd be pretty cool to look at. There's like no emotions though, so it'd be like a utopia. Yeah, I mean, it just make the most logical decision. So I'm curious about how that would turn out if it was able to project 500 years in the future. But if you were like to put input like opinions that were like really strong that were against another country, I don't think like I think someone would get invaded. Like if Iraq had a certain policy towards uh Iran, would an AI decide to invade Iraq if it was Iran? I think that would be interesting in a simulation. Yeah. I think also like would would AI I mean I guess like in a simulation, like like I mean America's capitalist, right? But there's some like socialist countries. So how would like if AI is making logical decisions, what is logical to AI? Is equality like equity more logical, or is like like I don't know. It's like political beliefs. Like what is the most logical political belief that AI would go with? I think that would be something very interesting. I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole here, but I think Jacob also brought a super interesting point and how like our our uh, our how like we know war today is changing as well with ai we're not going to see i don't think we're going to see like the the mass amounts of soldiers on the front lines as we've seen in previous like ai is going to cause like the entire like idea of war and and sacrificing tons of citizens to just like i think i think it's going to be like so much technology involved in war now it's going to be absurd and it's going to be actually quite dangerous because the, the weapons are just getting more powerful and powerful. But uh, it's a whole another discussion, I guess. You look at a company like Palantir, which whose main customers are uh, American intelligence and American military. They are going to influence the next wars so much. Their biggest programs and softwares are things that automatically control, like, uh, like I think it's called Airbus and a bunch of different, like, um, uh, arrow stuff i don't know what the word is um and going into the future so many things are going to be automated if that's um planes and jets or that's tanks or if that's robot dogs that are shooting at people who knows but i think going forward automation is going to change war so much in that decision making in that front line um and at home too i think um people who are who are uh manufacturing things won't have to because that's what the robots are going to do they're going to automate that manufacturing process i mean i'm going down the rabbit hole but that kind of reminds me of fahrenheit 451 where they were like i think it was fahrenheit 451 where they were like constantly at war and like the citizens had no idea because it was all like automated like it's all ai ai was the ones fighting the wars and i kind of think that will that desensitize us to the real horrors of war especially like if you're from a well-developed country, right? Like how, like, like, it's not like the Vietnam war where like people's sons are being sent off, but I'm sure atrocities would still be committed. So would that desensitize us as a, as like a species? Uh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's that. And the, but there's also the situation of nuclear warfare 
And this is a whole nother thing. And I think it, something I just read on recently was China uh, upped its like nuclear, like nuclear weapons by like a hundred or like, it was like the most out of any country. So I think that is the scariest. That's a, that for me is even more scary than AI and everything uh, that's coming with it is nuclear warfare, just because how dangerous that can be. I think to Alex's point, um, it really just depends who has power. If the people have power and we stay to our, our social contract where it's a government for the people, by the people, um, how does automation fit into that with the war? Does AI have power or are the people really in power? And if so, then who is the one that is going to war? Is AI going to war with itself or are the people going to war with themselves? Um, and then to Pierce's point with how does how do nukes play in uh, to the to AI? I think mutually assured destruction still goes into an algorithm, and I think AI doesn't have that power to press the red button. Um, but I think it can still advise that of hey, if we have no other options, then we're going to press the red button. Yeah, well, we might not make it to the edge of forty. We'll see. That'd be unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Switching gears a little bit, talking about fighting. Uh, Elon and Mark Zuckerberg might might have a fight. Who do you guys have winning? I box a little bit. And so uh, I think by a mile, I'm going to say Elon because the weight classes are so different. No, I'm going Zuck. It's a 230-pound man going against like a 180-pound dude. Yeah, but Zucker, I've seen clips of Zuckerberg. I think he's a black belt in Taekwondo. Something. I think he's jujitsu. Dude, have, oh, yeah, you ever, yeah. have you ever, like, done jujitsu though? Like, fought someone who does jujitsu? They, no, like, know, they, like, know how to control you. If they, if you're on the ground, they'll, like, get you, they'll knock you out in, like, a minute, bro. Yeah, but are they boxing or, like, what are they doing? If they're boxing, I still think Zuckerberg's quick. He's quick on his feet. I mean, Elon Musk is 230, bro. I don't think he's moving like that. But one hit from Elon Musk has taken that. Zuck. Nah, bro. Zuckerberg's gonna dodge him. It's MMA, though. So is, is MMA, MMA? It's MMA. Oh, Dana no, White, work hundred percent. Dana White said he was talking to both Elon and Mark. So I might have. I I think I I think I have a uh, Mark. I think he just has. Yeah, I have Zuckerberg. Yeah. I have Elon. Let's bet on it. Twenty five bucks. Bet on it. What are, what are the odds? We'll have to pull up the odds. I have no idea. Yeah, we'll have to pull. Mark up Mark is like minus two hundred. Oh, Elon, Elon will train. Elon has, they, that's one thing they don't have to worry about. They have the resources to get proper training. That's true. Do yeah, they have the time? Have, if, yeah, I don't know. If Elon, well, Zuckerberg Elon does, train. probably. More time than Elon, Elon that's train. for sure. Trust me, Elon, Elon always makes time. He doesn't sleep. Yeah, Elon would make like a doesn't. clone. He would make like a clone of himself to fight it and just like yeah. optimize the fighting. Exactly. Elon, I mean, he has the weight, he has the height. He has the reach. That's the biggest thing, I think, is he has so much more reach than Zuckerberg that it's going to be hard for Zuckerberg to, to hit Elon because he's hella short. Uh, switching gears again, uh, J-Pow talked this week. Marcus has been doing great. They've been great the past three weeks. But J-Pow uh, started talking about how there might be more uh, rate hikes uh, in this year. Do you guys think that we'll ever get back to that financial downturn that we saw with the regionals? um in march or do you think we're going to keep on going up i think there's a lot of optimism in the market right now um and i think that optimism will stay for a while i think we'll only see a like a big downtrend or reversal if jpal does raise again i think that the overall consensus of the market is that we're we're done with rate hikes and he's just kind of bringing it up 
but I, I do think that we'll have a little pullback that we're seeing right now. And then we'll go, we'll, we'll keep rallying until J-Pow makes a decision. I am kind of on the fence because I think that there's a lot of greed in the market right now. I think like that, like compare in comparison to like the crisis uh, a few, whatever, a few months ago, but the regionals, that was a few months ago. Uh, uh, I think we're we're experiencing a large period of greed. And I mean, I think CNN has a, a great greed fear index and Warren Buffett has that famous quote, uh, buy when the market's fearful and sell when it's greedy. So I'm, I'm always like a big, I guess I'm always, I kind of follow that. And I think right now, like there's too much greed in the market. And I think the top like companies top, like as like top, I don't know, top 10 or, or even S and P 500, the, those, those big companies are at the highest that I've ever been. And I don't know if that's necessarily like, I wouldn't say they're, they're supposed to be that high right now. And so I think we're going to see a little bit more of a downturn in the market and back to more reasonable uh, valuations. Yeah. I think that the market, as you highlighted perfectly, Pierce, it's driven by greed right now. Um, and I think, and until the next fed meeting, it's going to continue to be driven by greed. Um, I think you just have to look at any tech stock right now. You look at Tesla; it's keep, it's at an all time high. Maybe I think it's at two sixty. Fifty two week for sure. Yeah, 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 I'm still mad about Tesla. I bought it at um the beginning of the year at like a hundred dollars, and then I sold it at one twenty, and now it's at two sixty. So that may be my worst trade ever. Uh, but keep it on topic. Keep it on topic. Um, I think I think the markets are driven by greed right now, and unless we get consistent rate hikes and inflation um, continues to grow and in increase, I think the markets will continue to grow. But it really just it depends on inflation. Inflation, I think that's it. And it's a matter, I think, as well of I mean, we we've, we've had a lot of discussion on AI, but there's definitely a huge AI bubble right now out there. I mean, there's all any any company that says they're associated with AI is going to go to all time highs almost. Nvidia passed it at one point. What is it? It's like one point zero five trillion valuation. Uh, all the all these companies that have anything to do with AI, I mean, AI is going to have an impact. But I think it's very similar to what we saw in the dot com bubble, where not all these companies are going to be benefit from AI. I mean, Jacob, I read your piece. You had a great piece on uh, C three AI. Some of these companies aren't aren't gonna they're not gonna make it. Like they're not they're not really that substantial in terms of the AI revolution, I think. And they're they're going up pretty significantly. If you want to read my piece, it's gonna be in the bio. Uh, but I think Pierce is correct. Um, I think not every company is gonna be affected by A, but the ones, the software companies um are going to keep on continuing to grow. Um, but you don't want to leave behind the other the other industries. I think industries like manufacturing who are not towards chips, but more towards gasoline and cars. I think what is Ford stock going? There's something I saw something about Ford. I wonder how Ford is going to do. And I think that's a great indication of non-tech stocks is companies like Ford who are not big into tech. How are they going to perform over the next year? Because if we just look at tech, that's not looking at the entire market. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's another good point. I think that the market is, or like the S&P is really being dragged up by tech AI. And I don't think it's a fair valuation of the market itself. So I personally 
am a little bit, I mean, surprised or not, I'm bearish. Um, I know that's not really a shocker, but I do just think that we're being like really inflated by tech and AI. And I, I don't know when the market will go down, but I do think currently we're overvalued. And my question to you guys, I mean, this, this like S&P increased to near all-time highs, all these big tech companies that are at all-time highs right now, it's not really followed by the Russell. I mean, the Russell's the, the smaller for those, it's the smaller, the smaller uh, cap companies. And you can see these smaller companies aren't, aren't accelerating in, in their stock prices as quickly or even at all in comparison to these mega mega corporations so my question is do you guys think like are you are you bullish or bearish on on smaller companies as well or, or does your opinion change i'm pretty bearish i think going into the future um as as tech continues to grow i think large corporations are going to become uh much more much more liquid and the smaller companies small businesses are going to have less of that total market cap to um capitalize on their market share is going to decrease and i think going forward you'll you'll look at the russell and it won't it won't grow um and i think the top 50 companies are going to continue to make more money while smaller businesses are going to uh shrink in market share alex what do you think i agree i think you said it perfectly uh going into my next question Let's go. Let's go back to what we were talking about earlier with uh, how AI will uh, affect politics. How do you guys think, especially with the next uh, election coming up? Do you think AI is going to have any real uh, big effect on the next election? I mean, maybe it'll write some campaign speeches like it wrote our essays, but I I think that it's too early for politicians to really rely on AI. Um, I think AI might have some insight. But I just don't. I I don't know if I would trust AI for predictions or for polls or anything like that. I don't. I don't. I don't see too much impact in this one. But I do think in the coming years we'll kind of see like a bigger integration of AI into politics. I think more specifically, if you get a lot of data on voters and you can understand the insights about them and you can target different um, segmentations of how to get those voters, I think if AI is able to give those insights into how to attract a certain audience um, with certain campaign ads or going to certain places, I think a lot of uh, politicians who are using AI might have an advantage over older, maybe older uh, competitors who aren't using AI. They might have more insights. They might have uh, more data uh, to use against their opponents. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Oh, you, I think it's an interesting way to look at it as well as the last election we really saw the impact of social media and how uh how like much an election can change based on on like how clips surface for example on tiktok and and how it's recommended in the algorithm to make people you know watch for longer as well as you know maybe change their opinions on certain topics so i think ai is just getting better and better which is going to cause elections to be even further like uh further controlled by kind of the social media realm so like companies like Meta, companies like even Snap, because it's even going to like a younger demographic, they're all going to have like a huge effect on elections in the future. And I think AI is going to be the driver behind that. Going back to what uh, Jacob said about like AI kind of having, um like being able to give strategies or something. I think the problem with our current AI is that it uses data, like past data. And I think 
that politics and, and people's opinions are changing constantly. And so you can't really, you can't really rely on data from a year and a half ago when you want, when you need something for now, just because of how changing and how, and how like, I, I don't, I don't say volatile, but like just how like chaotic it is. I just don't think our AI can be used at this point. I think if you can, if you have a large enough data set and you look at uh, historical context, like if, uh, San Francisco has been historically a democratic voting city. I think you can assume that it will be later, but why is that? And I think AI can go into that. Why is that? And how independent voters affect the large majority. And if you can influence, maybe a Republican wants to uh, get more Republican voters in San Francisco, AI might be able to, to identify how you can influence that large uh, population of people. And I think just going into that strategy, AI might have a large effect on political strategy going forward. I mean, even going even more in depth off of that, I think for individual people, if you're going to, if someone looks up something, for example, like, like uh, they, they look up like a, like an independent candidate or something like that. Those are the voters that can be swayed, or maybe they look up independent. They're from, you know, uh, a swing state and they look that up might even be more swayed. You know, these politicians will really battle it out in terms of, of uh, amount of money that they can spend on digital advertising and specific advertising to these certain, you know, small group of individuals to change their opinion and therefore like alter the election in a whole. So I think it'll be really interesting, like how AI plays out in the future. I think, I think and a, another question I have for you guys is how, how do you guys think that social media and automation is going to change how uh, we vote as a generation? Do you think will be more progressive or conservative? I think there you go, you go. I think we're going to be more uh, polarized. So I don't think we're going to be more progressive or more uh, conservative. I think we're going to be more very progressive or very conservative in terms of like opinions. We either lean very much towards one side or lean very much towards the other side. And you're going to really see the, the people in the middle going to either side, picking a side rather than kind of staying in the middle. We're going to, I think we're going to see centrists kind of disappear and increase uh, in either party, especially the extremes of both parties. Yeah, I think, I think Pierce is a hundred percent correct. I mean, the way that all these algorithms work is they just feed you stuff that you like. And just, it, I think over time, it just gets more and more extreme. Like, I, I know that there's like, there's like, republican and democratic sides on like tiktok and and if you're only fed one side of the story because the algorithms you're only going to see one side and i think that's just going to really um like divide our nation so i think pierce was 100 percent right i'm going to take the other side and say i agree that we might become more polarized but i think the person that's going to get the most votes is who's can can appeal to the white widest odd sounded like RFK there, who can appeal to the widest audience? And that's going to be centrist and uh, moderate politicians. Um, I think if you have someone who's very Democratic or very Republican, and they can see maybe not every policy uh, that a politician is advocating for, but maybe just a couple, uh, they're more likely to vote for that person. And that person is probably going to be moderate. What do you get? Do you have any rebuttals to that? I mean, I think that would only work if if they pour just a load of money into it, which is possible. But like I know on TikTok, like people you only really get one side of it. So for digital ads and stuff like that to really take over, 
it's going to take a bunch of time, a bunch of money, but I, I do see what you're saying. And I do think it's possible. I just, I just think that at least for now, it'll be more polar, polar polarized. Yeah. I think in the last election, it really, I mean, we saw a centrist candidate. I would say Joe Biden is more of a, like a, a democratic centrist candidate. We saw him get elected, but I don't think like the majority we're seeing right now, the majority of the nation doesn't approve of, of president Joe Biden. And um, I think like, in terms of a candidate, you're never, I think politicians are starting to realize that you can't really appeal to one side or appeal to the other or else you're going to appeal to no one. So I think in terms of, of how people advertise, I think you're going to try, people are going to try to, to get the, like the biggest group of people to support them. And I don't think that's going to come with centrism now. It's going to come with supporting the far right or far left of each side and then because the, the more people, the more voters there are on the far right and far left, those people are going to be the ones that they're going to try to get and not the people, which is going to get a smaller, smaller minority in the middle. Yeah, I mean, I think post-2016, um, approval rates have been down for Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And I think, and this just might be me, I think America as a whole just wants someone that we can agree on. I think if there is a political candidate who preferably uh, appeals to both sides and makes rational decisions, if that's with AI or not, um, I think America will be healthier. But that's just me. But before we wrap it up, do you guys have anything else you want to talk about? Nothing. All right. I think that concludes the 10th episode. Uh, as we were saying before, close to 100 followers on TikTok. So go to the bio below. If you want to read about my pieces, as Pierce was mentioning earlier, on my Substack, um, go check that out in the bio. Alex and Pierce's Instagram is also in the bio, so go check that out. And thank you for listening.